welcome and uh, hope you're ready to explore some of the highways and byways of jazz recorded history today. My name is John Clark and we will be listening today to some recordings made at the very beginning of jazz recorded history. Uh, some of the first recordings by black bands in New York, dating from about 1921 or so. And these are groups that were led by a fairly legendary cornet player named Johnny Dunn. Johnny Dunn was all the rage in New York jazz scenes in the black community in the late 1910s and early 20s. This was before Louis Armstrong came to New York, which was in the fall of 1924, and he sort of turned things on its ear. But Johnny Dunn was really the guy to beat at this point. And uh, he was born in Memphis in 1890. And he was a, a theatrical player. He played in a lot of different shows. He played on stage at times, uh, but he was a very effective player in this early jazz style. Good cornet player, good technique. Uh, he had a blues feeling which was uh, uncommon even among black players in New York at the time. And he had a facility with mutes and effects uh, on his cornet that uh, came to be associated with jazz. Uh, certainly it was with King Oliver and Louis Armstrong in, in Chicago and New Orleans, but in New York it was a little bit different. Garvin Bushell is a clarinet player played uh, with Johnny Dunn quite a bit, and he remembered that time period as uh, sort of an in invention period for jazz. He said they were playing uh, Eastern style, which was uh, a kind of a straight two-beat or four-beat uh, feel with uh, emphasis on the offbeats, and that, uh, or rather on the downbeat, one and then three, uh, which sort of went along with the dance style at the time. And he said it was uh, freak music in a way, using different mutes and effects and so forth. And that's kind of what jazz meant at the time to white and black audiences on the East Coast. It took a while for the New Orleans and the Chicago and the so-called Western influence to uh, make its presence known with the uh, much more fluid beat that uh, came to characterize Louis Armstrong's playing. Anyway, Johnny Dunn recorded uh, with a number of groups over the years. He did blues accompaniments. He was with uh, W.C. Handy's band. He may or may not have recorded with him in the 1910s, uh, but by the early 20s he was leading groups in New York, and he was associated with a singer named Edith Wilson. Oh, and they made quite a few recordings together, Edith Wilson singing and Johnny Dunn with his group that he called the Original Jazz Hounds. And this was beginning in about 1921, and of course this was not too long after uh, the original Dixieland Jazz Band had begun to popularize the style of New Orleans jazz, such as it was understood at the time, and also uh, the first black groups were starting to record. Mamie Smith made the first blues recordings by an African-American singer in 1920, and Clarence Williams began recording about that time, and uh, so forth. But Johnny Dunn was one of the first real instrumental stars of the period. So we're going to start out with the first two tunes that he recorded under his own name that didn't include vocals. These are the Bugle Blues and the Birmingham Blues. The Bugle Blues was credited to someone named Kelly, although later on uh, Dunn recorded more or less the same tune under the title of Sergeant Dunn's Bugle Call Blues and various iterations of that, uh, which suggested he might have been in the service in World War I, although I don't know about that, and he was given credit on the labels uh, for later recordings, but this was credited to Kelly. Birmingham Blues was a piece that was uh, by McCord and Matthews, whoever they are, don't know anything about them, uh, and these were recorded for Columbia, as are all the recordings we're going to hear today, uh, December 21st of 1921 in this case, and the band, as far as we know, is Johnny Dunn on cornet, Herb Fleming on trombone, Herschel Brassfield playing clarinet and alto sax, 
Ernest Elliott, known as Sticky, playing clarinet and tenor sax, Dan Wilson on piano, John Mitchell on banjo, and Harry Hull on tuba. So a fairly large band for the time, the Bugle Blues and the Birmingham Blues. Then we're going to jump over a couple of months to February 24th of 1922, and we're going to hear two other uh, titles with probably the same band. The first one is called Put and Take, and that was a uh, tune that's credited to Spencer Williams, although the label gives credit to Bob Ricketts as having done the arrangement. Bob Ricketts was a piano player who arranged for m many of these early uh, blues recordings, these cabaret blues recordings. He led bands for quite a few uh, performers, including Lizzie Miles, who remembered him in interviews later on. He did some very effective kind of show back band charts uh, to support these singers. This was before we had the idea of the blues being more of an improvised music and a more casual uh, presentation in the recordings we think of with Bessie Smith and Ma Rainey and so forth. So after put and take, the other side of that is the Moanful Blues, which was composed by Perry Bradford, the legendary black songwriter and promoter who was responsible in part anyway for bringing Mamie Smith into the studio in 1920. He uh, had a string of compositions that uh, became sort of well-known, and uh, he was a, a constant um, presence in the New York music scene. His nickname was Mule, I think, for his... Uh, his stubbornness more than anything else. He had a very colorful career and he uh, wrote an autobiography at the very end of his life that's well worth checking out. So those are our four tunes. Bugle Blues, Birmingham Blues, Put and Take, and the Moanful Blues, all done by Johnny Dunn's original Jazz Hounds. <laughs> Thank you. 
So those first two tunes are credited to Johnny Dunn's original jazz hounds, the Bugle Blues and the Birmingham Blues, kind of uh, informal performances for the time. They were uh, featuring, of course, Johnny Dunn's cornet playing, and as I said, he was a, a star on the black music scene of the time. He was uh, very active in theater bands. He must have been a pretty good reader and a pretty good musician to play in some of those groups. After a couple of years in the middle 1920s, he went to Europe with the Plantation Orchestra, who recorded over there with them. Uh, came back and did some sides with Jellero Morton, of all people, uh, in his band uh, in the late 1920s, and then returned to Europe and stayed there for the rest of his life. He uh, lived in Holland for a little while. Uh, he did work in Paris and in London. He died of tuberculosis when he was only 40 in 1937. Those two sides, Bugle Blues and Birmingham Blues, featured Herb Fleming on trombone. He had a very long career in jazz. He was still playing in New York and recording in the 1960s. He recorded uh, an album for, I think it was Verve, with Red Allen, uh, one of the New York uh, Metropole types of bands. So he was a Dixieland player up till at least the mid to late 1960s. Herschel Brassfield played clarinet and sax. He was active in the theaters and on the minstrel and tent show circuit uh, with various black groups, as was Ernest Elliott. Ernest Elliott played clarinet and tenor. Herschel Brassfield did clarinet and alto. I think he was responsible for the most of the clarinet solos. Uh, Elliott uh, recorded all through the 1920s and into the early 30s. He played with... Uh, many, many bands. He played with Clarence Williams' group. He recorded with... Uh, uh, I think Cliff Jackson, he did some recordings with Bessie Smith, uh, Elmer Snowden. He was a pretty versatile musician. His uh, jazz playing tended to be a little more theatrical and uh, uh, minstrel-y, I guess you'd have to say. He was definitely from the older generation. Then in the rhythm section, we had uh, er, uh, rather Dan Wilson on piano. He became a jazz uh, journalist and writer uh, for various black newspapers in the 1920s and 30s, an interesting character there. John Mitchell on banjo. He and Johnny Dunn uh, were together for most of their career. They they were a, a, a kind of a, a tandem team. And then Harry Hull on tuba, and he was uh, also a very well-recorded tuba player throughout this period. So those two tunes. Then we went on to February of 1922. Those two tunes were December of 1921. February session produced Put and Take and the Moanful Blues. And there's some suggestion that this may have been a different group, maybe not even featuring Johnny Dunn, although he was credited on some of the labels. Um... It could have been a Sam Wooden group, but it sounds consistent with the group that we just heard. However, much more organized. Put and Take, as I said, was arranged, credited on the album, the arrangement, to Bob Ricketts, and we had a much more uh, theater band sound to that, although certainly improvisation and in the jazz style, but something that was more common behind the singers, the cabaret singers of the time, and also uh, some of the jazz orchestras of the time. Moanful Blues was a little bit less uh, organized, but uh, still had that kind of theatrical quality to it. So all these recordings, as I said, were done for Columbia, and all that we're listening to today will be as well. So we're going to move on to... Uh, August 18th of 1922. There are quite a few unreleased sides from these recording sessions. They were obviously trying to figure out how best to market Johnny Dunn and how to produce his sounds on recording, so they had a couple of false starts here and there. But the next released track was something called the Hawaiian Blues, another Perry Bradford tune. And this one, the arrangement credited, is to Herschel Brassfield, the reed player, who is here playing clarinet, alto, and soprano sax. Rollin Smith plays tenor sax. Earl Grandstaff is on trombone, George Rickson on piano, and again, John Mitchell on banjo, all with Johnny Dunn on cornet. 
And we're going to jump over to September 21st of 1922. The same group did the Four O'Clock Blues. And this was a the first tune that we have that was credited to Johnny Dunn and as well to uh, Horsley uh, as a tandem composition team. Then we're going to hear two more Perry Bradford tunes. We're going to hear the Hallelujah Blues and the Spanish uh, Dreams. Spanish Dreams, Española Blues, so-called. Both of those came from February 14th of 1923. Uh, Perry Bradford probably supplies some of the vocal effects in here. And uh, in this case, we have a different banjo player, Sam Speed instead of John Mitchell, and Harry Hull on tuba, along with Dunn, Grandstaff, and uh, Brassfield, also George Rickson on piano. Then we're going to finish up with the Dixie Blues. And this tune is from March 13th of 1923. Again, the same group. So, that's our set for Johnny Dunn's Original Jazz Hounds coming up. We start getting to some more recognizable jazzy sounds in this set. The Hawaiian Blues, the Four O'Clock Blues, the Hallelujah Blues, the Española Blues, which was called Spanish Dreams, and the Dixie Blues. You can see the, the prevalence of the term blues, even when some of these tunes are clearly not 12-bar blues. The name on the record sold records. This is part of the blues era. So this is Johnny Dunn and his original jazz hounds.
So that gets us into the realm of more familiar jazz styles. This is 1922, heading into 1923, actually. Johnny Dunn and his original jazz hounds, and featuring a lot more of the leader's cornet playing. And he was a very compelling blues uh, player. And uh, once Louis Armstrong happened on the scene, his style was immediately outmoded, and that's about the time he left for Europe anyway. Um, very uh, interesting player in this early style, and some of the players that followed on his heels, like Bubber Miley and uh, Joe Smith and uh, even older style players like Gus Aiken and Pike Davis and so forth, they all really looked back to Johnny Dunn and his example in their styles. So we started out with the Hawaiian Blues and Four O'Clock Blues, um, done in August and September of 1922. Hawaiian Blues was uh, arranged by Herschel Brassfield, who plays the reeds on there, clarinet, soprano, and alto. Uh, we also had, in addition to Johnny Dunn, Earl Grandstaff on trombone, Rollin Smith on tenor sax, George Rickson on piano, and uh, John Mitchell on banjo. And Mitchell got a good solo outing on four o'clock blues. He was replaced by Sam Speed, another noted Harlem banjo player, and Harry Hall on tuba was added for the next uh, three tunes. We heard three Perry Bradford compositions in this case. We heard the Hallelujah Blues, featuring some vocal chanting, probably by Perry Bradford in there. An interesting tune called Spanish Dreams, also known as the Española Blues. Kind of a, a neat, atmospheric, spanish tinge type of piece that uh, wouldn't have been out of place uh, on a Jelly Roll Morton session, but kind of interesting writing in there and good uh, playing as well. Then we finished out with the Dixie Blues. Again, all of these were blues, at least in name, but most of them were some variations on the 12-bar form, showing the popularity of blues on recordings in the 1920s. So we're going to do one more session or set of Johnny Dunn and his original Jazz Hounds. Uh, as I said, he was also making records simultaneously with the singer Edith Wilson, who later became better known as Aunt Jemima on the radio and on television in the 1930s and 40s. But she was a very good blues and cabaret singer in the 1920s. She uh, followed Ethel Waters into a couple of shows and uh, made a series of recordings with Johnny Dunn. And then later on, after he left for Europe, with a group that she still called the original Jazz Hounds. So the next tunes we're going to hear are the first, probably the, the only well-known tune of this set, the Sugar Blues. This was a, a new tune, more or less in 1923, composed by Clarence Williams and Lucy Fletcher. And uh, many blues singers recorded this, and of course later on the band leader Clyde McCoy had a kind of a corny novelty uh, arrangement of this that featured his muted trumpet and was a big hit. So the Sugar Blues comes from April of 1923, and we have about the same band uh, that we've talked about, uh, with the addition of some drums, probably played by Jesse Baltimore, and possibly another reed player as well. Then we're going to go on to April 19th, about a week and a day or so later, 1923, all of these for Columbia again, and we're going to hear two tunes. We're going to hear Sweet Lovin' Mama and Vamping Sal. Sweet Lovin' Mama was a pop tune of the day by Wagner and Lockhart, and Vamping Sal was a tune by Lou Pollock, who was better known for having composed That's a Plenty, a jazz tune. Then we're going to hear two more tunes to round out the program. We're going to hear from October of 1923, Johnny Dunn, and this time in his jazz band, uh, an unknown personnel, but doing two tunes, one of which was somewhat well-known, the Jazz uh, jazz and Babies Blues by Richard Miney Jones, and uh, has some elements of the Tin Roof Blues in there. And then we'll finish up with a Johnny Dunn composition called I Promised Not to Holler, But Hey Hey. Uh, no vocals on there, but it'd be interesting to hear the words on that particular one. 
And that will finish up Johnny Dunn. Uh, he did another session in 1924 with just a trio, and we played one, or if not both of those tunes, on a previous show devoted to the uh, development of the jazz solo, just cornet and piano and banjo in there. Uh, but uh, uh, you can go look those up, too. And then, as I said, Johnny Dunn recorded a little bit later in 1928, when he came back, briefly anyway, to New York, recording with Jelly Roll Morton and James P. Johnson on a different session. And then he went back to Europe and recorded with the Plantation Orchestra as well. So, these are our tunes to finish us up. Johnny Dunn and his original jazz hounds, and Johnny Dunn and his jazz band on the last two tunes, all done for Columbia Records in New York City. The Sugar Blues, Sweet Lovin' Mama, Vamping Sal, The Jazz and Babies Blues, and I Promise Not to Holler, but hey, hey.
So that was Johnny Dunn's original Jazz Hound from 19, uh, in this case, 1923. We started out with the Sugar Blues from April 11th, and then we went to Sweet Lovin' Mama, which had some nice double-time effects in it, and Vamping Sal, both from April 19th of 1923. And these are all different composers here. That Vamping Sal is by Lou Pollock, the composer of That's a Plenty. Then we went on to Johnny Dunn and his jazz band, the same group, although same size group. We don't know who the personnel was. That was from October 30th of 1923. The Jazz and Babies Blues by Arm Jones and Johnny Dunn's own composition, the I Promised Not to Holler But Hey Hey version. And uh, all of these, at least the first um, three, featured uh, Sam Speed on banjo with Harry Hull and tuba. Possibly Jesse Baltimore on drums, uh, Johnny Dunn on cornet, Earl Grandstaff on trombone, Herschel Brassfield on reeds, clarinet, soprano, and alto, Roland Smith on tenor, and George Rickson on piano. So we think it's a pretty consistent group in that case. So all of those uh, recordings done for Columbia uh, in New York City. So I hope you've enjoyed this program. Some definite off-the-beaten-track jazz from the early 1920s uh, black jazz bands recording in New York City. Uh, untouched by the influence of Louis Armstrong or the New Orleans players for the most part, that was the strain of jazz that was developing at the time before Louis came to town in uh, October of, or August of 1924. So you've been listening to The Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark. Hope you're enjoying these programs. Do get in touch with me. I've had some... Uh, comments from various listeners and suggestions for future programs we're going to be working in so appreciate that let me know uh, if you like these programs get to me on social media my band is the wolverine jazz band wolverinejazzband.net and wolverine jazz band on facebook and instagram so thank you very much and i'll see you on the other side